What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Well, hello, America. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you, the Bauer and Rose podcast. We've got a lot to talk about, but why not do what we do best, and that's talk about how great we are. Sirius XM Satellite Radio, Channel 125, The Patriot, our longtime home, has now picked up the Bauer and Rose podcast, undoubtedly because of Rose. I mean, Bauer might have had some influence, but we are thrilled to be back as part of the uh, part of the Patriot family on Sunday mornings. I'm, I'm going to sell the uh, serious stock I still own, Tom. I have serious questions about their judgment. Why, <laughs> why in the world would they bring back Bauer and Rose? Okay, this is, this, is, this is Gary Bauer, the national conservative avatar, the spokesman, the leader, who has now just destroyed our, our brand new Sirius XM connection. I told you, Tom, I know it's one of my favorite stories. I was uh, I was walking in a neighborhood in in uh, Georgia, like probably 35 miles outside of Atlanta. And uh, we were down there visiting family and I see somebody out in their front yard and I said, good morning, sir. And he looked at me and he goes, excuse me. And I said, good morning, sir. And he goes, are you Gary Bauer? And I said, yes. Have we met? He goes, no, I'm a. I'm a big fan of the Bauer and what, what's that other guy's name? Rose, Tom Rose, I said. And anyway, he's now on my Christmas card list. I go visit him sometimes, even when I don't visit my family. He understood completely that the Bauer and Rose show was all about Bauer. Of course, I, I have a story that is similar, and you've heard it, but our audience hasn't. I don't know whether they're going to have any interest. I think it was 2019. I was in. I was on the White House staff. I was senior advisor and chief strategist to the vice president, by the way, whose book just came out this week. We were in Wyoming, and the most important Mike Pence staff member uh, shares the same last name as our diminutive co-host. We are out at a, what are they called, roadhouse steakhouses? It was very good. It was a, it's a big chain, um, Nice family restaurant, crowded. We're in Wyoming, and I'm at the bar because I'm the idiot that, being the old guy on staff, that ends up having to buy, I'm not a drinker, having to buy all the young kids like Zach Bauer drinks. So I'm ordering everybody drinks, and as I'm ordering, this guy says to me, looks at me, and he goes, what's your name? And I said, Tom Rose. And he said, I, I know that voice. I said, uh, maybe, maybe. And of course, this was in front of your son and in front of everybody else. So I was really about ready to just explode with pride. And he goes, I know you. You're the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure uh, the, the large and growing audience of the Byron Rose podcast 
is on the edge of their seats so far this morning, Tom, as we <laughs> give them this really just scintillating conversation <laughs> about the things they need to know more about, which is our egos. This is the Bauer and Rose podcast on JustTheNews.com and SiriusXM The Patriot. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you, the Bauer and Rose podcast. I know you're going to be just as thrilled as I in listening to Republican leadership proclaim that the election ultimately was a victory because now the Republican agenda in Congress can be to get back to regular order because that's what Americans want. That's what Americans need. Regular order in the House. Out of a thousand Americans, how how many Americans do you believe, Gary, even know what the heck regular order is? Yeah, no, Tommy, we were kind of making light of it, but this is so Republican of them. This is so inside the beltway. I, I don't know what it is. We've talked about this so many times. I mean, there's only two really you know viable political parties in America. The other parties are are just spoilers. You know, they make it harder for the Republicans or the Democrats to to win by siphoning off votes. Uh, we've joked, and it's a joke based in fact, that the two parties can be described as the evil party and the stupid party. And guess which one the Republicans are, folks. Now, I I don't feel it's an exaggeration to call the modern day Democrat Party the evil party. I'm not suggesting that everybody that votes Democrat is evil or that even anybody, everybody that gets elected with a D next to their name is evil. But I am suggesting that the policies they pursue, abortion on demand. I mean, the president is consumed with the fear there might be one less abortion in America this year than there was the year before. So abortion on demand, their war on children generally they're, they're just over the top desire to close everything down in the country in the name of the COVID emergency. Their, their attempt to move us toward European socialism, which will result in nothing but more suffering and less opportunity. Their support for the radical transgender identity that's destroying little boys and girls. I could go on and on and on. They are representing, in my view, not just wrong ideas, but ideas that are evil, ideas that hurt people, not help them. But get back to our party. We major in stupid. (laughs) It's almost like you have to fail an IQ test in order to be one of our candidates. And I say that even though I believe many of the people elected, many of the people I work with on the Hill are good people and smart people and uh, are trying to do the right thing. But there is there's a group in the Dem- in the Republican Party. It's usually referred to as the establishment. And I think, I Tom, I would throw into that what we uh, call euphemistically the the donor class. 
And they are so out of touch where regular America is. And because money talks in politics, they make the party stupid. And let me just give you one quick example. There's already Republicans in the newly elected Congress that have arrived in town and they are warning their colleagues that uh, you better not get too deep into this investigation stuff because that's not why the American people elected us. Well, since we've got a whole three vote majority, I don't know how anybody can come to any conclusions about why the American people barely elected us. The question ought to be, why aren't there more Republicans, given how terrible everything in the country is? But why in the world would a Republican get nervous about their colleagues investigating malfeasance and worse in the Biden administration? I got news for these newbies that have come in on this after this election cycle. It's called congressional oversight. And we have not had a chance to do it for the last two years. It is part of our system of government. It means you drag cabinet members up before congressional committees and you make them under oath ask question, answer questions about why haven't you secured the border? Why is the FBI being used as Joe Biden's private police force? Why is the Hunter family, the, the Biden family, uh, why aren't they? You know, why, why don't you agree with us that they're compromised by communist China? I mean, that all these things we need to look into and already our house is divided over whether that's a good idea politically or not. And, and the uh, President Trump, obviously, on uh, Tuesday night at Mar-a-Lago, announced his recandidacy for president of the United States and instantly, instantly, the knives come out. From who? From us. From our side. He's not the right guy. His time has passed. And you know what? Maybe it has. But the notion that Donald Trump is responsible for uh, midterm failures because of quote-unquote candidate quality. I mean, didn't Mark Levin ask the question the other night on Hannity better than anyone else? What about Senate Candidate. What about Senate quality? What about the quality of our Senate leadership? Mitch McConnell didn't lift a finger to help a single Republican candidate who hadn't sworn their fealty to him. And this is one thing, I don't know whether we haven't discussed this, I don't know whether you're with me or not, I think the attempt to lump Kevin McCarthy with Mitch McConnell is unfair. Kevin, Mc Kevin McCarthy... Uh, raised $450 million and spent it as best he could to elect every single Republican. He didn't trash our candidates. He didn't announce that our candidates sucked or this guy was no good or that guy didn't promise. He's not a, a, a radical movement, far-right conservative. He's not probably as right-wing as you or I, but he did everything he could to win that majority. And this attempt to lump the two of them together troubles me greatly because Mitch McConnell is out for one thing, and that's Mitch McConnell. The fact that 37 Republican members of the Senate caucus voted for him, but of course we don't know the names because they're secret, it, it, it's, it's mystifying to me. Mitch McConnell now prides himself on the fact that he's the longest-serving Republican leader in Senate history. What has he done? I look at him... 
In all of his dour pronouncements, with his three minions standing behind him, John Thune, you know, nodding appreciatively, John Cornyn standing there, what have they done? Where's their plan to secure our border? Where's their plan to stop the fentanyl overdose outrage? Where's their plan to fight inflation? Where's their plan to prevent the United States from further indebting itself to China. What did they run for? And yet they blame us. They blame Donald Trump. They had no agenda. They had no purpose. They had no platform. They had no mandate. And they wonder why they lost. Yeah, you know, Tom, it, it really is a, a statement on, you know, why it, with with everything that's going on, 75% of the country is saying that we're headed in the wrong direction, that we weren't able to capitalize more in these races. Now, I will say this, Tom, you know, the, the sadly, in my view, there's a bunch of states now in the United States, you know, there's a bunch of states that are just red states. And it looks like Florida is now in that category, you know, along with Texas and, and some Ohio. You know, Ohio used to be a battleground state. It looks solidly Republican now. Iowa, uh, same thing, looks like it's solidly Republican. There's a bunch of states that are solidly Democrat, New York, unfortunately, California, you know, Oregon, Washington, et cetera. But there's a bunch of states where it, no matter what happens, they seem to be evenly divided. So we lost the Senate race in Pennsylvania uh, by a few thousand votes. Well, guess what? That in the presidential races that Pennsylvania is going one way or the other by a few thousand votes. Same thing with a, a state like uh Georgia, it's now a battleground state. There hasn't been a landslide victory for in any Senate race or presidential race in Georgia for quite a few years now. It's become a swing state. Sometimes we win it. Sometimes we lose it. Unfortunately, there's a bunch of other states like that. Arizona is another one. So, um, you know, this propensity for Republicans to form circular firing squads rather than keep aiming their fire at the leftist party that's being jerked around and told what to do by the likes of the squad we got to get over that tom we've got to and we've got to keep focus on this struggle that's going on in america about what kind of country we are we are going to be in what kind of country are our children going to inherit from us this is not a normal time this is not just well sometimes they win sometimes we win this is about the future of America. And in, I think you agree with this, Tom. We're right on the precipice. I mean, if we can't turn some of these things around, the country that we know and love, the country that our fathers fought for, the country that we want our children to be able to live in is going to be gone. It's as simple as that. When we come back, I've got a question for Bauer. I'll ask him now so he can contemplate it during the break. Why does Joe Biden want to align America with a violent handmaid's tale regime that beats women to death for not covering their hair? This is the Bauer and Rose podcast on JustTheNews.com and SiriusXM The Patriot. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. 
Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you, the Bauer and Rose podcast. I'm broadcasting tonight, podcasting tonight, uh, this afternoon, rather, uh, from Tel Aviv. I'm in Israel. Gary's in Washington. And it's always refreshing. I love being here. One thing I love about Israel is that they're always concerned and focused with existential, true existential issues, um, not you know drag queen story hours for kids. And um, while there is a strong you know LGBT uh, movement here, it's not the abiding passion of the country, and that can be summed up in four letters: I R A N Iran. Now, this is what I want to hit you with. Back in January 1950, the Secretary of State Dean Acheson gave a speech in which he said that uh, South Korea was not part of America's defense perimeter. He didn't even say it. He just kind of implied it. A week later, Congress voted down an appropriation for the brand new country of South Korea. And six months later, guess what happens? The North North Koreans with Chinese and Soviet support invaded. Why? Because we sent signals telling them we wouldn't do anything about it. Now, the same thing is happening today, only I fear in a worse sense, because back then, the North Koreans, the Chinese, and the Soviets were wrong. We did oppose the invasion. My fear is that today, modern aggressors like Iran could be correct, it just happened earlier in the week. The Iranians fired highly sophisticated uh, uh, precision munitions at a U.S. and Israeli flag carrier in the Gulf of Oman, killed two people, and we did nothing about it. On January, in January, uh, two Iranian missiles were fired and aimed directly at a U.S. air base in Saudi Arabia. And, and most people don't know this directly at a U.S. airbase in Saudi Arabia with 2,000 U.S. service personnel stationed. Now, thankfully, our THAAD and Patriot interceptors worked together to bring them down. Hours later, just hours later, the Houthis, who are Iranian-backed rebels, launched two more ballistic missiles at Saudi Arabia. And our response, Gary Bauer, there wasn't one There wasn't one. We didn't. Now, imagine if they hadn't worked. Imagine if our THAAD system didn't work. Imagine if our Patriot Interceptor didn't work. And the thing that just drives me nuts, and a lot of people here nuts, and most Americans aren't aware of this because we're so consumed with domestic issues, our Defense Department and our CIA is still keeping elements of these attacks top secret. We won't even identify some of the targeted sites, which only here in Israel has increased speculation that one of the targets might have been the Burj Khalifa uh, Tower in Dubai, the large, tallest building in the world that houses 25,000 people. Now, what would have happened had our systems not worked. How can we fight an aggressive, offensive enemy like this without ever engaging them? Ukraine, Russia, it's a terrible story, a terrible situation. Uh, This is different. 
These are the Russians are not attacking Americans. They're not firing missiles at Americans as despicable and disgusting and as outrageous as the invasion is. They're not targeting American bases. They're not challenging us. It's just this immunity from counterattack that Iran has gotten for the past two years. I think is unbelievably dangerous, not just for Israel, but for us at home in America. Yeah, you know, Tom, the, um, there's an ongoing argument on the, on the left uh, about uh, whether or not uh, the Democrat Party uh, is pro-Israel or, or even should be pro-Israel. Uh, they constantly, the party leadership constantly protests that they are pro-Israel. You've got the squad, you know, AOC and uh, Rashad and all these, these other folks that clearly want to wean the party away from Israel. But I, to me, all that's a sideshow because it is obvious that the Democrat Party is moving as fast as they can away from the idea that the U.S.-Israel alliance is the most important thing in the Middle East. And I go back to uh, the previous administration that Joe Biden was involved in, the Obama-Biden administration. We now know from several memoirs that were written, uh, books that came out by, by various people in the administration, that Obama and Biden decided that the future of the Middle East is Iran, that Iran is inevitably going to grow and become more powerful. It's got a large population. It's got wealth. It's going to continue to expand its influence. And there is no way the United States interest in the Middle East can survive if Iran is our enemy. And so we've got to find common ground. And if that ends up throwing Israel overboard, so what? That's only about 7 million people. Iran's many, many times that. And the future is a U.S.-Iranian alliance. And that led the Obama administration to seek a horrible deal, give Iran billions of dollars of sanction relief. It allowed them to do a major military buildup. Donald Trump and Mike Pence come in. They reverse all that. They get us out of the deal. They made uh, they they brokered peace between Israel and a number of moderate uh, Muslim states uh, in, in the region. Biden comes back in as president and he is right back to what was the Obama Biden foreign policy. It's a disaster. It will not work. And I don't think Biden understands any more today that Obama and Biden understood a number of years ago, which is the mullahs of Iran get up every morning wanting to please what they think, as they see it, their God. And they believe they have a religious duty to do what they're doing, to kill the infidel, to eventually wipe Israel off the map. And we've got a bunch of people at our State Department and our own Pentagon even and in in the White House that don't take any of that seriously and think it's only they can get their diplomatic hands around this. Some sort of, uh, of modus operandi can be implemented that will result in peace in the Middle East. And all they're doing is is empowering a regime that means uh, terrible things for us and terrible things for Israel and terrible things for our allies in Europe and any moderate nation in the Middle East. I tell you what's happening here in the Middle East, and I, while it's troublesome, I can hardly blame them as 
our Gulf allies as Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and even Israel to an extent see in America that won't defend itself and its own interests here have no trust and no faith that we're going to lift a finger to help them. So desperate for security are our you know, Sunni Arab allies here that they're fleeing us and running to China. Just a couple of weeks ago, the Saudi Foreign Ministry announced um, three level, very high-level summit meetings between the Saudis, the Gulf states, and other Arab countries with the Chinese. And the Chinese just announced President uh, Xi is going to visit Saudi Arabia in a couple of weeks. I mean, we have, and remember, Gary, this is in, we're, we're talking about in Iran today that is quote unquote non nuclear. They have, uh, this is the big concern, and I don't know whether you're hearing all the helicopters above me now that are constantly patrolling uh, the beach here uh, just north of Tel Aviv. The Iranians. As long as they don't open fire, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Out, outward, not inward. Uh, the yeah. Iranians have achieved what our own uh, Frank McKenzie, who was CENTCOM commander until he resigned a couple of months ago, what. what what's called overmatch. And that's a military term that means that you've got the ability to, ta- to attack uh, your opponent with your defender not being able to mount a successful defense. Iran has become expert at combining three systems in particular, ballistic missiles, cruise missiles, and drones, over the past five, seven, ten years, where their capacities in those domains have risen to such a degree that when integrated, we don't have the ability to counteract them. What they've done now and demonstrated in Ukraine, uh, because the Russians have bought all their systems, um, is that when they're all fired at the same time, they've got different radar signatures, they've got different trajectories, they've got different flight paths, and that confuses our defense systems. And with 150,000 missiles in Lebanon, Iron Dome, Iron Beam, David's Sling, Arrow 1, Arrow 2, all these fabulous anti-missile defense systems, these incredible Uh, miracles of high technology, let's say it's 90% effective. 90%. That's amazing, right? Well, that means 15,000 missiles get through. I mean, I I just don't see how there is any possibility of uh, uh, defending our interests without an offensive capability. You cannot fight Iran strictly on defense. So, Tom, let, let me uh, – not everybody listening uh, have the same passion about foreign policy as, uh, as, as you and I do. Let, let, me bring this, let me bring this home. So every day that passes, the situation in the Middle East becomes more and more difficult. Uh, there's going to be a day where it's absolutely clear that Iran does have nuclear weapons. They probably already do. Um, and then it's just a matter of you know, putting together delivery systems with weapons, et cetera. Uh, Communist China, Xi, when he was nailing down power a week or so ago, uh, put on army fatigues and addressed the military and told them, prepare for war. Do it now. Speed up all your plans. You've got to be ready for China to go to war. We are every day 
living in a more and more dangerous world. We've got leadership that the whole world thinks is a joke. If you can watch Joe Biden bumbling, not able to read what's right in front of him, reading directions off of the teleprompter like pause here, uh, you know, not calling on dead people uh, as he did a few weeks ago. The whole world sees that. They know what bad leadership we have. So what has that got to do with domestic American politics? In this dangerous world, whether we like it or not, where we might find ourselves a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, sometime relatively soon, we could be in a war, a major war. We need to be prepared here. And Tom, on every level, the philosophy of the Democrat Party undermines the strength of America. So one of the things you would want in a situation like we're in in the world today is young Americans being deeply patriotic. Leftists in our universities have taught anti-American history now for decades. The, The research shows young Americans have the lowest level of love of country of any time in American history. Think about going to war with young Americans that think this is really a pretty lousy place, that we've been lousy from the very beginning, that we've got somehow to make up for our national sins. What about our financial help? The Democrats haven't seen a problem they aren't willing to spend billions of dollars at that we don't have. The more they keep doing that, the less likely it is we will have the resources necessary for the military buildup we need if we're going to win the next war. You can just go after one issue after another. Democrats, leftists, socialists, the squad, they make America weaker every day. And I don't know why we can't get that point across to the Americans. That Iran can supply Russia with drones and missiles for their invasion of Ukraine because their products are worth buying, because they no longer fear an American response, uh, actions that might you know, lead to the death of battlefield advisors, of NATO advisors. They have no fear of us. Here's my question. You know this better than I do, although I know more than I did five years ago, uh, having been in the White House uh, and privy to a bunch of information that is probably now outdated, even if it is, I'm not at liberty to discuss. This is the Bauer and Rose podcast on justthenews.com and Sirius XM, The Patriot. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. The Bauer and Rose podcast. Let's be perfectly honest. Israel has to act. And Israel is going to act. What's the reaction going to be in Washington? 
Well, it all depends on who's sitting in the White House, right? I mean, there, the one thing I can tell you for certain is that among the American people, particularly among uh, conservative Christians in the United States, which is unfortunately a shrinking part of our population, but still a significant portion of the population, the default position of Christian Americans is to support Israel. Uh, we we feel that there's not only a geopolitical reason to do that, which is they are our most reliable ally. They've never asked us to fight their wars. They've been very helpful to us in myriad ways. But we also do it because we believe our reading of the Bible says that uh, the Jewish people uh, are covenant people, that a covenant was made between God and Abram in the desert and that today's modern Jewish people, Israelis, are part of that covenant. So the Bible says, he who blesses Israel, I will bless. He who curses Israel, I will curse. And we take that seriously. So that portion of America will stand with Israel. But among America's elites in Hollywood, uh, in the university campuses, the political elites here in Washington, D.C., in the media, the rising generation and the Democrat Party particularly, there will be very little support uh, for Israel defending itself. In fact, Tom, I'm sure you noticed this, the same FBI that uh, uh, President Biden has sicked on, on conservatives, on pro-lifers, raided Donald Trump's home, arrested people that have demonstrated at, at uh, abortion clinics. Uh, you, you can't get a, a straight answer from the director of the FBI in a congressional hearing. I mean, the word games that are being played. The, the president has just taken the FBI and now he's going to sick him on the Israeli government. He is demanding that the Israeli government allow the U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation to come into Israel and investigate the Israeli Defense Forces about the death of a journalist that happened during a riot some months ago. I, I know enough about the government and people of Israel that whatever I can't say it in Hebrew, but, you know, it's it's the equivalent of take a hike. <laughs> uh, you, you know, there's I mean, but the audacity that we would that the that Biden would insist on that. And I, I have to I know I'm on dangerous ground here, Tom, because uh, Jew, American Jews are under no obligation to follow to, to make their votes follow uh, what's good for Israel. Although I would say that if you're a Jew anywhere in the world, I would think you would feel a certain pride that today there is a vibrant, strong nation for the Jewish people that is in its own way a blessing to Jews wherever they live. And yet American Jews all too often continue to we're vote the for the party. We're the worst. We're the, um, although I will say there was, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it's like being the tallest kid in the second grade. Four, 41% of American Jews voted for Republicans in this midterm, which to you, Gary, might sound no, that appalling, sounds great, actually. Appalling. But for me, as a Jew, 41%, I mean, it, that's, that is a Reagan-esque number. That's never happened before. My now, Tom, let me just interrupt real quick. Is, I mean, that, that's heavily among the Orthodox, right? And that's the, the group of American Jews that's growing the fastest because of that's birth right. rates. That's right. And there also is an increasing... Well, there are two things going on. Number one, the element that has split off and that 
um, uh, conflates the Democrat National Party platform with Judaism, they're gone. Okay, they're just gone. Those people that think that 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 Judaism is the Democrat Party platform written to song, they're gone. Forget about them. Unfortunately, and I hate to say that, but there is a. I mean, there's a growing. Um, a, a growing percentage, a growing plurality of American Jews that understand or are beginning to understand that the threats that people face here in Israel um, are not as distant as we think. The last question I was going to ask you before we run out of time here, the Iranians are spending billions and billions of dollars on intercontinental ballistic missiles. Do people understand that an intercontinental ballistic missile is not needed to destroy Israel? It's intercontinental. That means they're headed for us, not for it. You don't need an ICBM to hit Israel here in the Middle East. You need an intermediate range or even a short range or a cruise missile. You don't need an ICBM to take out the little Satan. You need ICBMs to take out the great Satan. Well, you're, you're absolutely right, Tom. And I don't think average Americans think about those sorts of things and, and you know, understand the initials and all the rest of it and the implications of that. As, as we began to tape today, you know, the news broke that uh, North Korea just tested another ICBM that appears to have a range that could reach the continental United States. So I would just, I guess, as we're wrapping up, I, I would just remind folks, you know, whatever uh, problems you had with the Trump-Pence administration, <laughs> you, you know, whatever anger you had about Trump tweets, uh, whatever uh, this or that disappointed you or, you know, gee, they should have done that better or whatever, this kind of stuff wasn't happening. We were safer every day of the Trump-Pence administration. And, you know, he had North Korea in a box. Iran was daring not mess with us because you know, they saw what he was doing on the nuclear deal, on moving the U.S. embassy to uh, to Jerusalem, et cetera. And now with a with a president that uh, we were told, boy, this guy, his specialty is foreign policy. Every day, America's future is more at risk. Every day, the American people are in more danger. And the question is, can we get through the next two years and salvage this situation before it's too late? I'm wondering whether or not we can get the, through the next two days until the next Bauer and Rose podcast. <laughs> well, I know that we, we could do it, Tom. I mean, I'm getting ready to finish off my hemlock here. And, <laughs> I was going to uh, say, <laughs> I'm looking around for a bottle of scotch. I don't find any, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll look harder. I'll look hard. Well, uh, always a pleasure to talk about the issues of the day. And, it, uh, you know, we did it for a decade on SiriusXM. It's nice to be back on there with a podcast. Uh, I, I can feel it, Tom. There are more people watching now than there was just a few days ago. So <laughs> we're, we're going to continue to grow. And We're, uh, we're, we're, we're into double-digit territory now, Bob. <laughs> have, have a great weekend, and, and we'll talk soon. <laughs> 